This is Winning Slowly, taking a long view on technology, religion, ethics, and art. And I'm Chris Kreitcho, and we are back and on schedule. Look at us go, oh, Stephen. Oh, yeah. I'm Stephen Caradini, and I'm the least sunburned of the two hosts today. Except that we took SPF 100 on our vacation, so I actually didn't get sunburned at all. It was, or even tan. It was kind of lame. You, you look kind of, kind of sunburned, though. That's just from living in Colorado. Well, that still makes you still <laughs> less sunburned than you are. Today we are going to jump back in by jumping into the deep end and interrogating and interacting with... Interrogating? Interrogating. Yep. Interrogating. Well, we're going to talk about policing, so it seemed the word to use. Well, there you go. (laughs) Investigating? Yes. A a document published by the Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Detectivizing? (laughs) Great. What have I done? The... Commission is one that we have many agreements with about things and also a fair number of disagreements with, and you're going to hear that in the course of this episode. But we wanted to dig into it in part because they're doing the thing that we're telling people that they ought to be doing in this season. Yay, doing the thing. (laughs) I'll read very briefly here from the opening their summary of why they did this. They said, we desire to equip the church to proactively engage the field of AI, because this is a statement on artificial intelligence, rather than responding to these issues after they have already affected our communities. Good job, guys. We Whether Woo-hoo! we agree with you or disagree with you on some of the nuts and bolts and details, and we'll get into that. Hey, it's really, really exciting to see people actually thinking about these things before they happen, rather than waiting until after they've decimated the economy or ruined large parts of modern life or what have yeah. you. So, yeah. So when we quibble, this is like the difference between like an A plus and an A minus, but like <laughs> it's still an A. Like they did it and thoughtfully. So we. We like that. And we both know a number of folks who more or less closely who are involved with and or signed this. So what's full up, disclosure Matt Anderson? There. We love hey, you. And we're going to dig into it. We're not going to talk about every part of it in equal detail. Some parts of it we're just going to pass by fairly briefly. Some parts of it we're going to have a long argument about. And we're not going yeah. to read the whole thing. We'll link yeah. it so that you can do that. Uh, so some context on what the ERLC is before we jump in. For those of you who are not Baptists, or for those of you who may not be uh, Christians at all, uh, the ERLC is a arm of the Baptist, Southern Baptist uh, Convention, Mm -hmm. that is particularly interested in uh, religious liberty. And they're interested particularly in uh, making policy statements, the sort of ones that we are doing here, for the good of the church. So these are not like legal policy statements, even though in some ways, as we'll show, they want to influence legal policies. Right. They are specifically edifying for the Southern Baptist Convention churches, somewhat widened out to the church at large, although that's where things start to get squishy. And the the farthest audience is people who are outside the faith. So as with previous episodes where we talked about like, hey, you need to have boundaries and know who you're talking to, they they do that fairly well here. Yeah. And that part of the thing we're going to quibble about is literally what it means to be Baptist. So <laughs> we're already like one part outside of their main audience. Right. And that is important for those of you listening. You're going to find points if you go read through this and you're a secular humanist, but you're going to have some really deep disagreements about where they're coming from on basic 
presuppositional levels because you disagree about the nature of the universe and reality and life itself. So you're going to have those. But the flip side of that is we have a bunch of those deep philosophical disagreements with people like Ari Wallach or Shannon Valor, and we still find them helpful people to interact with because they're thinking hard about these questions from their own frames. And so even when we disagree with those things, we think that interaction and dialogue can be very fruitful. So we commend it to you, even if you disagree deeply with their and our priors. Right. But before we dig in, Stephen, I have to lodge my largest and loudest complaint about this document. I know. Chris was so mad about this. It, it was literally the first thing he complained about in this whole document. <laughs> so this is a document which in general is presented fairly nicely on the ERLC's website, but whoever put it up, and for that matter, whoever published it in whatever other offline forums, doesn't know the difference between a hyphen and an end dash. <laughs> and let me tell you people, as a typography snob... When you're writing Genesis 1 verses 26 through 28, that needs to be an end dash. Don't use a dang hyphen. Come on. This is not hard. It was literally the first thing that Chris brought up to me. Not any of the content, not anything around the the nature of humanity and intellectual disagreements. This should come to no surprise to anyone who's actually talked to me about some of these things in the past or dashes. <sighs> dashes are not hyphens. I'm sorry. That's So, what I first noted <laughs> was that this exists at all as we've previously mentioned mm-hmm. and that's fantastic. And it is presented in a series of well, the, the whole thing is called the, an evangelical statement of principles, which we could argue about significantly just prima facie, but it's presented as various articles in an overall statement. And this mm-hmm. is valuable because the whole statement itself, even though it has individual articles, really is presented fairly consistently. It's one basic argument about the nature of AI and the nature of humanity. Which is important to note because not all documents that are divided this way are actually that. They, this is a, a cohesive argument as opposed to a piecemeal argument. Right. And so I noted that you can go through each article individually, and even if you don't submit to or subscribe to all of the priors, they all have slightly different angles on what it means to do AI in the world, which is great. So the, the first article, which is is labeled the image of God, says, we affirm that God created each human being in his image with intrinsic and equal worth, dignity, and moral agency. Moral agency is super important mm-hmm. in this document. So, note, distinct from all creation and that humanity's creativity is intended to reflect God's creative pattern, another important aspect. Uh, we deny that any part of creation, including any form of technology, should ever be used to usurp or subvert the dominion and stewardship which has been entrusted solely to humanity by God, nor should technology be assigned a level of human identity, worth, dignity, or moral agency. Now, my biggest question here, Stephen, is have these people not played Mass Effect? Uh, I mean, like <laughs> I said, there's there's a lot of sci-fi that's like, but but what about iRobot? That's a great book. It's really, really interesting. And it's literally about moral agency for robots. Yeah. This is the fundamental claim that undergirds most other claims about the moral agency issues that come up when you're thinking about AI in the rest of this document. And I want to note that while I make that rejoinder in jocular fashion, as I did, I do think that AI, as it is being developed now, does not seem likely to be 
in the foreseeable future capable of the kinds of things that would represent genuine intelligence, that would represent other sapient, sentient beings, that would be like the Gath in Mass Effect or the robots in iRobot or whatever else, where we're looking at actual beings with these kinds of agency that might lead us to quibble with this argument. So for the purposes of this, if we're talking about the kinds of machine learning that are there to guide autonomous vehicles or to analyze patterns in data that allow you to maybe counter against bias as the drafters of this document talk about later or to do translation of language. I read a page that was translated by Google the other day, and it was quite astounding because it was translated from German and I could occasionally tell, but I could only occasionally tell. It read pretty well. That also means it was good writing in German. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Insofar as that's what we're talking about, I think they are right here. And that's the kind of thing they're addressing. I do wish here that they had been a little more careful in the way that they framed this, one of the things I think you could say in a document like this that they did not is humans should not seek to create other beings that are of corollary levels of intelligence and sapience and sentience and so on that would have that moral freight. They didn't say that. Well, that and they studiously avoid yes. talking about creation of AI except yes. for one point. And so I think there was a specific uh, nod to the fact that th- that they believe we do not believe this, but that they believe some of these things are inevitable. Right, and so they they didn't want to shake their finger at people and say, "Don't do what you're already doing." <laughs> they wanted to say, "In a world where this already happens, do this." And so I think that's a very pragmatic approach. Mm-hmm. I think it's a way that you can soften the blow of introducing some of these concepts. Yeah, winning slowly is not <laughs> concerned with softening the blow. <laughs> You shouldn't do that, homie. Right. Don't don't make the geth. I mean, but if you do make the geth, don't try to enslave them afterward. And if you realize that you've done it and enslave them on accident, free them. I'm I'm making a reference to a specific plot line from a video game <laughs> series which actually handled this stuff very well. It's probably the most interesting and well-handled ethical conflict in the entire video game series you can look it up or you can go listen to chris's other podcast <laughs> which is true. actually about that game it's, it's called true. mass affection if i recommend it to you it's not self-promotion <laughs> i do think that there is untrod ground there for this statement for certain and frankly in most of the discourse i've seen about ai and part of that is because most of the conversation is happening around those kinds of machine learning concepts i talked about which are right. very far from that kind of concern well and there's and there's a there's a level here where technologists who are very positive about ai want you to think that that yep. will happen Like, this is the goal. And so it's very easy to conflate what we can do now and what we can do in five years and what we hope in that great and amazing future. It's very easy to conflate them all. And so I think that, again, and this is, like I said, fairly consistent except for one point. They, They wanted to abstract the conversation about should you make these at all out of this document, right. which is fine. Like, that's why we discuss this now. We cover those terms, and then we we let them live there and say, like, obviously we have concerns about whether you should make them <laughs> at all, but if they're going to be made, this is a statement of policy ideas about right. how to handle that, and that's, that's fine. And so I, I think for them to say this 
is is not a reflection that they didn't think over much carefully, but that they're reflecting a way of interpreting as opposed to doing something more comprehensive like we like to do. That may be. And I think my big takeaway here is slightly in a different direction than than yours. It is that I think there are questions that maybe aren't what they're interested in addressing here, and that's that's largely fair given the pragmatism that you alluded to. Yeah. But that I think are worth considering, and that particularly in the angle we've been talking about this season are worth yeah. considering. Because the question of should you develop genuine artificial intelligences, and I'm using that in the sort of hard AI sense of another sapient sentient being, whatever right. they be like, should you do that or not is the kind of question that we think these kinds of, if if not this document, then another one should be thinking about and seeking to answer. And if the answer is yes, then you should be thinking also about what the ethics of the relationship between them should be. And this document seems to me to presuppose that no technological creation ever can be sapient or sentient and therefore worthy of uh... that does that because it talks a lot about moral agency and is specifically concerned about who gets the moral agency yes and and, the, and there is there is a point where like they're trying to deflect from like you can't just say the ai did right. it and then you're not responsible there is a part there but i think they kind of point out that like if this stuff exists like it you should not make it to have moral agency or you should not give it moral agency or accord it moral agency i think the last way you phrased it is how i read their phrasing, and we can skim down and look at that specific part of the document. But I think there's a very important difference between saying, you should not accord moral agency to a machine learning algorithm that you've trained on some set of data, and yeah. then put up your hands and say, ah, that was oh, just the one algorithm. Wasn't me. Wasn't me. I think there's yeah. a big difference between that, and if at some point we should create genuinely sapient beings who do have moral agency. So yeah. we can we can leave that aside for now, but I just wanted yeah. to raise it as what seemed to me to be a gap in this document, and a gap that is perhaps excusable, but one that I wanted to flag up, because I, right. I do think it matters in this discussion. And, and it may be that they intentionally left it as a gap. It may be that this was not what they wanted to talk about. So the second article is AI as technology, and this actually affirms that technology can be good. And that AI specifically can be good. We affirm that the development of AI is a demonstration of the unique creative abilities of human beings. When AI is employed in accordance with God's moral will, uh, it is an example of man's obedience to the divine command to steward creation and to honor him. So, And then they continue on through explaining right. some of those terms a little bit more, but uh, in that paragraph. So they, they set out a presupposition that, again— uh, we might actually quibble with, which is that this is a technology that can be used positively. And so whether or not we agree with that entirely is not the most important point here. It's that that undergirds this. Right. They are not saying you should not AI. <laughs> right. To Thou the shalt not AI. <laughs> right. <laughs> to the contrary, they say explicitly human beings should develop and harness technology in ways that lead Thou shalt AI. to greater flourishing and the alleviation of human suffering. And that's the thing that we've talked about a bunch. We have said in the past, especially in season six, that we think that that should be the constraint on what technologies you 
do and don't accept. So we affirm that language in general. It's very, very similar to the language we used throughout season six. Right. But what I found interesting most of all in this article is they then deny that the use of AI is morally neutral, which we agree with very strongly. We hundred percent actually, we, we join them in that denial, Yeah. but then both here and later, they treat the development of AI almost entirely in instrumental terms. And I think this is probably at a philosophical level where I diverge most from them on this. And I'm still working through and flushing out my own framing of how I want to think about these things. But they immediately follow that up by talking about how you shouldn't worship technology, which again, we agree with, and that it's not going to save you from sins. It's not going to make you right with God. It can't fulfill humanity's ultimate needs, which again, we're all good on these points. And we also with them deny that applying AI in ways that degrade or devalue human beings is legitimate. And they, a lot of the rest of this document is devoted to essentially expanding that paragraph. Right. Right. But precisely insofar as the rest of this document is devoted to expanding on and expounding on that paragraph, I think it does something very interesting, which is it denies that the use of AI is morally neutral But, and I think this is perhaps another way of saying part of what I said above, it has very little to say about AI itself. It's concerned entirely with AI instrumentally. It's concerned entirely with the use of AI. AI. Which, to be fair, as a policy document, that's what policy does. This is how you use this thing. This is not a law. A law says what (laughs) you can and cannot do. I see this as a policy document, and so I don't have as much quibble, which Chris's quibble is totally fine. Um, (laughs) It's totally legitimate and actually there, but I don't have as much of a problem with this being a instrumental policy document. I I have more problems with the policies that they want to employ. (laughs) And this this is not surprising given the contours of our other discussions this season. (laughs) Right. Like, I'm interested in the policies. Like, let's talk about the policies because they want to talk about policies. And like, yeah, sure, there are definitely things that they don't want to do here that we can say maybe you should have done those things. But as a person who hates getting revised and resubmits that say, what if you had written a different article? Like, well, I didn't, homie. How about you evaluate this one? Not that Stephen feels very strongly for personal reasons about this or anything right now, anyone. No, it's never been a factor in my life, really. No. I, I will simply, and I'll leave this aside after that, after making this summary statement of it. For me, that does tie most closely into the concerns that I continue raising throughout our discussion this whole season, which is the big picture question of what does it look like to form an ethics? And to do that, I think, requires both these. We might think of this as a policy intervention, policy recommendation intervention, to use language we used a couple seasons ago or a couple episodes ago. And I think as we established a couple episodes ago, I mostly think those are good things most of the time with lots of caveats. But I do think that there is is more work to be done in this space, especially on these points. And we're about to get to a place where we acknowledge that part of the problems that they have with their policies are the fact that they have not done this work. And so I'm going to circle back around to agreeing (laughs) with you, but I'm going to go through the document they actually made (laughs) as opposed to the one they didn't make. So like you're just jumping ahead on me, (laughs) and that's totally fine. So after Article 2, 
they get to Article 3, relationship of AI and humanity, um, and we affirm the use of AI to inform and aid human reasoning and moral decision-making, which is fascinating. But this comes after they've said, and this is where I got the point I was talking about earlier, this specific denial is the one that grounds my claims about what they think is possible in AI. Technology is incapable of possessing the capacity for moral agency or responsibility. Right. And in this specific point, they note that it can aid moral decision-making. So they're, right. they're seeing it as a tool. Yep. But they instead of saying, like, you shouldn't use AI to assist your moral decision-making, like, you just, just should have internal morals and they should be guided by your religious framework, they're saying, like, no, no, they, you, you can do that. Like, that's right. a thing you can do. And they even – this is one of the things I think was most fascinating and most honest about the document is that it says, because it is a tool that excels at processing data and making determinations, which, weird, which <laughs> often mimics or exceeds human ability. While AI excels in data-based computation, technology is incapable of possessing the capacity right. for moral agency or responsibility. Right. So they have this two ways because of this specific phrase in here, making determinations. Mm-hmm. This two-word phrase in here is one of the biggest phrases in the entire document. I don't know if they know this or not, but <laughs> making determinations, whether you cede that to AI entirely or you use AI to make that determination is literally the problem with AI. And so when you are doing that, you have to have an AI that has boundaries. It has to have some guidelines or some rails or some whatever you want to call them. Because once you say it's okay to use this in making determinations, like you just allowed redlining, like without any other barriers, which right. they put other barriers below. Right. But much of the rest of the document is concerned with those barriers. With, with those barriers, which is good. And they're they're doing a really nice format of like laying out the suppositions and then expanding them. And so I get that. But this is the most important part of the whole thing is that if they had just said to inform and aid human reasoning because it is a tool and skip the moral decision-making, or if they had just said it is a tool that excels at processing data and skip the making determinations, this would be like, well, yeah, I mean, that's literally, it's just zeros and ones. That's how it works. But once you move it into that realm of moral decision-making and making determinations, everything is now on the table. Right. Now, I think in their in their defense to... Translated document is to make a determination. It's not merely to oh, process yeah. data. And so oh, I think I agree. I agree. I think they have to say essentially this. I think they have to describe well, this as what is being constrained, given their uh, commitment to a utilitarian or an instrumentalist account here. I actually don't think that's true because they can say that the the decision making is so low on the decision making scale that it's it's just a a it has a minimum level of decision making involved. Obviously, I agree with you. Translation is one of the thorniest issues that we have. Right. But I I think that reasonably a utilitarian, if you buy the utilitarian framework, can argue that the utility of that is the lowest level of utility. It's like the farthest down the chain, and so you can like lop it off of major concerns and put it into minor concerns. So I think it's important that they did actually say this instead of just saying, well, oh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a translation, it's a decision, like, duh. They call it out. 
I'm just saying from a utilitarian framework, I would not be surprised if they had just not done this. I was surprised that they did do this. That's fair. I think I was unsurprised precisely because it seems to me something you, an honest group of document writers, has to has to call out. So that's fair. That's fair. I grant them. I grant them their honesty as they're trying to tackle the problem. If nothing else, oh yeah, I already said. I already said that yep. they were honest. Yep. I just. I was surprised. So again, they then say we deny the humans can or should cede our moral accountability or responsibilities to any form of AI that will ever be created. So again, morals different from data processing. Um, only humanity will be judged by God on the basis of our actions. So AIs are not subject to final judgment. Technology can be created with a moral use in view, is not a moral agent. Humans alone bear the responsibility for moral decision-making, which I think is also like a cornerstone idea of this document. The only quibbles I have with all of those statements are whether they simply foreclose the possibility as I said earlier, of humans yeah. being able to create other sapient beings. Yeah. And they I've don't. expressed that, so we'll we'll keep moving. Yeah. So then we start to get into what Chris said is going to happen, which is like in individual areas of life. So medicine, which I called the anti-Kurzweil <laughs> article. <laughs> That's about right. Because it says we reject the materialist and consequentialist worldview that understands medical applications of AI as a means of improving, changing, or completing human beings. Kurzweil. <laughs> Right. For those of you not familiar with his work, Ray Kurzweil is a futurist, among other things, who has been a loud proponent of this idea of the singularity when AI will reach a certain point where it's exponentially increasing in capabilities and basically allows us to ascend and escape our mortality and become some kind of super intelligent beings and live forever and if you want a a principled non-religious take on how the singularity would not work correctly <laughs> go read newton's wake it's not actually that great of a book in the end the last 40 pages are kind of a mess but ken mcleod newton's wake it's anti-singularity and the first 250 pages are basically dedicated to like how it wouldn't work and then it like falls off a cliff and whatever so but like there's a lot of people even outside the religious community that are like uh, <laughs> and, and rightly sure so about that so that's the thing I, I wanted to note that i like a lot in this article that as we are able to develop some of these technologies carefully and wisely they do actually let us provide better medical diagnostics, and better therapeutic interventions. Now, some of this has Hopefully. also been overhyped to date. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. But they rightly point out that we should constrain these things by basic principles of medical ethics. Yes. Yes, please. Let's do that yep. thing. I'm looking at you, China. The flip side of this and their denial, which we agree with their denial, that we cannot just get rid of death and disease ultimately. Interestingly, though, in their conclusion, they lump together three things. And those three things are the idea of improving, changing, or completing human beings. And I want to note that those are very, very different kinds of claims. So improving human beings, changing human beings, and completing human beings are each in their own ethically distinct categories. And we talked about this at pretty great length back in season six. So I'll mostly refer you to our discussion there about genetic alterations and bodily alterations and those kinds of things. But I think it's worth note that getting eye surgery is a kind of improvement. 
and ostensibly there there's a quibble <laughs> to be had there but ostensibly right you can talk about eye surgery as amelioration but i have better than normal human vision after my eye surgery many years ago so it was amelioration but it was also improvement it turned him into cyclops <laughs> no thank thankfully no <laughs> changing likewise is a term here that I think warrants further definition and more careful definition. I certainly agree with their notion of completing being something that's off the table. That's you, Kurzweil. Yeah, that, that's you, Kurzweil. I think many of the things that go under the notion of changing are similarly things that as Christians we can and should reject. But I do think that these things deserve to be separated and treated distinctly, even in the brevity of this document, because they are ethically distinct kinds of things to do. Yeah, and I think that it's this is the sort of thing that they could expound on and say, like, here's a whole statement on article mm-hmm. number, right? And I think they could do that. And I think nothing in that paragraph forecloses the ability to then expound on what they mean by, no. by those terms. Quite right. And I, and I, but I do think that they are sort of plopped there. Yeah. Um, in in a way that philosophical people are like, but but, but those why? aren't the same. <laughs> but I agree with you that that uh, completing, changing, and improving are all different things in in a medical context. So now we get into the part where Stephen Stephen my favorite to... <laughs> part. Okay, so this is fascinating. Article 5 is bias. We affirm that as a tool created by humans, AI will be inherently subject to bias, and that these biases must be accounted for, minimized, or removed through continual human oversight and discretion. AI should be designed and used in such ways that treat all human beings as having equal worth and dignity. This is one of the only places where they actually talk about the creation Mm -hmm. of AI as opposed to the use of the AI. Use of them. AI yep. should be utilized as a tool to identify and eliminate bias inherent in decision, human decision-making. So this goes back to their ability to be decision-making. We deny that AI should be used, designed or used in ways that violate the fundamental pr- principle of human dignity for all people. Neither should AI be used in ways that reinforce or further any ideology or agenda seeking to subjugate human autonomy under the power of the state. I'm going to zoom ahead and just read you something. <laughs> Article 9, security. We affirm that AI has legitimate applications in policing, intelligence, surveillance, investigation, and other uses supporting the government's responsibility to respect human rights, to protect and preserve human life, and to pursue justice in a flourishing society. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that sounds like an agenda or an ideology. Whoa. That's a lot of agenda. <laughs> I mean, this whole document is an agenda, Stephen. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, policing, intelligence, surveillance, investigation. Like, we're talking about terms just plopped down. I mean, those are, those are like plopped straight down and into the other earth. other uses like, supporting the government's responsibility to blah, blah, blah. They just like, I mean, whoa. Like, yeah, that's but, a but big leap. Presumably to not go. to provide government single-payer health care because these are – Conservative Baptist, mostly. <laughs> uh, thank you for breaking up my uh, moral outrage right there. That's a good one. But like, this is this is the problem: is that how do you say neither should AI be used in ways that reinforce or further any ideology or agenda seeking to subjugate human autonomy under the power of the state? So they even like bracket it off, like, okay, here's what ideology or agenda means: seeking to subjugate human autonomy under the power of the state. That's literally what policing is. That's literally it, subjugating human autonomy under the power of the state. And furthermore, that's what the government is told to do in the Bible. 
Like, so there, this is a biblical to, to say either this is not something that they should be allowed to do in Article 5, they should not be allowed to do this, or that they should be allowed to do this in Article 9, neither of which I think have particularly a clear instance of why, in all cases, this is right or wrong. So, so my, my biggest concern here, let me back up and point out at the beginning of this episode, I said that this is the difference between A plus and an A minus. I'm totally <laughs> in on this. Now let's return to our regularly scheduled programming. I don't see why there's any reason to say in so intense language that these two things are even in the same document. It's so hard to put these things together even with like volumes of space, even like the whole of philosophy is about this problem, right? This is literally how we got the enlightenment. Like this is literally all the philosophy in two sentences and they just stick them together and they're not, they don't talk. <laughs> ah. Yeah. And I w- I'll take it a step further. And I alluded to this a minute ago, but neither should AI be used in ways that reinforce or further any ideology or agenda. They say in an, I- what is inescapably, unavoidably, correctly, an ideological document arguing for a specific agenda for the use of AI. This sentence is incoherent. It doesn't make any sense with the rest of the document. It's also the most stereotypically kind of libertarian articulation of this possible because it's missing an or market after the power of the state, or lots of other things. There are there are many things which, hey, guess what? Lots of science fiction writers have actually helped us think about, right. about ways that corporations can rule with just as iron a fist as the government, and right. lots of other kinds of organizations can as well. Now, there's an element here that I think is fine. If you just have Article 5, if it's just there without Article 9, that is a coherent fit into the document, in my opinion, in that they are bracketing out a specific part of a whole, and they're leaving the rest out and saying, like, we specifically care about the state having this power, which is a totally valid point to have. Uh, I suppose it depends on how you read this sentence. We, yes. d- we don't want the state to have this power. That's fine. I actually don't want the state to have this power either. <laughs> Confirmed. That's, that's a thing I don't want. So I'm actually in on this particular article, Article 5. But as soon as you then add in Article 9, which is, you know, the nature of a multi-authored document, you then have to, in Article 9, explain very specifically what the subjugation of human autonomy is, what it means, when it's acceptable, when it's not acceptable. I mean, this entire season and last season were basically, like, about the subjugation of human autonomy in, like, positive and negative ways. When is it accessible and available to do so? When is it morally apt to do so and when is it not and so i think that that on its own saying the state shouldn't have this power is good but then article 9 gives that power right back to the state right and i think that the bible does that too so i'm not saying that you shouldn't but i'm saying that you there's i'm making car (laughs) crashing noises yeah and i think it does come down to how how narrowly you read this sentence. So I read this sentence somewhat more broadly, I think. And specifically, I read it as possibly not as they intended, saying that AI... Well, that AI, seems bad. <laughs> I, I'm reevaluating my reading of it in talking with you, which I think is good. That's good. I, I took their reading 
to essentially be parallel constructions here where they don't want it to be reinforcing any ideology or agenda or seeking to subjugate human autonomy. I think it's possible that they meant it rather to indicate that they think AI cannot be used to reinforce an ideological or agenda-driven frame by the state, and that it's legitimate to do so in non-state ways. If that's what they're trying to say, then I disagree with them. But if they're simply trying to say that the state is the verboten actor here, then I think you're right that it is coherent with most of the rest of the document. Yeah, It's just that I think that is dumb. (laughs) I think there are lots of things that should be verboten actors, but it is at least more coherent than the way I read it. You can disagree entirely. Yeah. And, and I think that because of the, the social ways that the words ideology is used, right? I, that's why I think that. That's fair. Now, it could be, could be wrong, but that's what I think. And we can, we'll get back to, to Article 9, security, and Article 10, war, which I'm actually, I'm fine with their war article, which <laughs> is the irony bit. It's just that uh, I, I, just, I just struggled connecting these two. Like in a policy document, how could you possibly do both of these when either they're separating out ideology from policing, which I don't think is literally possible, or separating out ideology from intelligence, which is literally impossible. Like that's, that's how intelligence works is that you interpret what is in front of you in a particular frame for particular ends. And then surveillance being okay is just not okay, right? Like, for me, surveillance is not okay. Um, and so I'm against that in Article 9, period. Right. And investigation, I'm sort of okay with this in a limited vein, but, like, just because AI, as constructed as, like, machine learning is sort of how we use a computer, so I can't, like, rule it out. But, like, it's just, there's just so much crammed <laughs> in there in yeah. in that one sentence. And I just... I think my inherent problem is that I want to like Article 5. Right. And in an abstract, I do. (laughs) And then it runs into Article 9. And then it runs into Article 9, which I do not like. It's the one thing in here that I just cannot abide. I think it's wrong. We're going to bounce through another couple of these. They spend a little time on sexuality here, which I think is interesting and could easily— No sex bots. No sex bots. Don't do sex bots. Don't do deep fakes. I will, for the sake of our listeners who may or may not have children around, say, if, you, if you're not familiar with those, you can look them up on your own time. And Don't actually look them up. Read yeah, don't, about them. We'll link you a story you can read That's that is idea. How, to hand, how some of these things are playing out. But yes, I, yeah. I affirm. That's, that's good caution, Stephen. <laughs> don't. don't look them up. Yikes. And I do think that including that here is an important move. Uh, it is a good and helpful move, and I'm glad they did. I think this is also an area that probably the the church could use to continue thinking more robustly about and more carefully about, and it's also an area in which already many in the church have logs in their own eyes that they have not dealt with when pointing at specks in their neighbor's eyes, and will not go further down that road for the moment, but suffice it to say, we think there's more work to be done there, and there's a fair bit of repentance to be done there on the part of a lot of the American church and the leadership of the American church and how it's handled issues around that. I am glad that this particular article exists, and the way it's framed, I think, is in general good and overall helpful. Right. I think what we should do, since 
7, 8, yep. 10, 11, and 12. 12 is awesome, actually, um, in a fascinating sort of way. Uh, we should break here and come back to it next time. I think so as well. I don't want to shortchange... I, we could do a whole episode on Article 12. Uh, a very positive. And I have a lot to say about Article 7. Article 7. Oh, yeah. Well, work. yeah. I mean, we did we did half half a season. Yeah, many, many episodes. On. And much to say about Article 8. Yeah, we could we could spend a we could spend long a long time. Yes. But we'll we'll break this in two here. Thank you all for listening as we do something again that's a little different from our normal format here. Yeah. I'm really enjoying season seven in this regard. There's a very good likelihood that we'll do these two episodes and then the next one will be another interview. So there's a lot of a lot of yep. nice variety happening for you. And I, I will say again, even though there are some things that I stridently disagree with, <laughs> this is a good document. This is this is good. We're glad it, it exists. It's in the, the type world. of thing we want to see happen, and we we don't want to get blacklisted for disagreeing <laughs> with one point. But it it is it is important to have these sorts of rigorous debates and to. It should, to, yeah, this is how it works, honestly. This is how it should work, is ideas, discussion, forward-thinking concerns. You know what else is important, Stephen? And dashes. Uh, there are a lot. And dashes <laughs> are important. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> and on that note. You got me. <laughs> who did the music at the beginning, Stephen? The music at the beginning <laughs> was Indifferent Universe by Mixtape Monk. Uh, the prolific Mixtape Monk has several new albums out, so you should go check those out if you like guitar-based uh, post-rock. Also, thanks to everyone who sponsors the show, including at the We Shout You Out on Air level, Nathaniel Blaney. We appreciate everyone who sponsors. It lets us keep things going, lets us support the Internet Archive, lets us occasionally have tasty drinks of the coffee or beer or whatever other variety when we meet and plan things. That's right. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to sponsor the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash winning slowly or cash.me slash dollar sign winning slowly. You can also contact us at uh, at Scaradini at winning slowly. You can't at Chris Kreitch anymore because he quit social media on me. So I, I am now your entire social media contact point. But if uh, you email us at hello at winning slowly.org, I'll still see that and respond to it. So. Well, I'll probably respond to it, and then you'll look at it. Sometimes you respond should be should be noted, but I, will I am at your least main point it. of contact. That. That's I will get that's, it. That's fair. That's fair. I'm your main <laughs> point of contact. As always, thanks for listening. Steven, stay on the microphone. Uh, I, I, I'll stay on the microphone when I'm not making dumb jokes, okay? <laughs> no, no, no. I need you to stay on the microphone for the dumb jokes. For the so. dumb jokes. For the dumb jokes. All right. Here we go. For those of you not for, for, <laughs> familiar, familiar. I turned him into Cyclops is what it did. He's got lasers coming out of his eyes. He stands on tall places and stares off like Legolas and just sees everything. How is that even possible? Uh, this seems to be a plot hole. Yes. I'm not going to I'm not I'm sorry. I just poked I just poked the bear. I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologize. Apologize. We're going back to AI. <laughs>